Hey friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. Tonight we're talking about monsters. Never tell me the odds. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Ah, uh, feeling monstrous or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> monstrously good. Yeah. yeah that, we promised a big good. geek out, and a big geek out we are delivering. We're going to go deep into one of our favorite topics here, and that is the monsters. We're going to talk about a little cryptozoology, and we were talking before the show, maybe as a nice lead-in to that, we're, we're going to estimate the odds on some of our favorite creatures, whether they actually exist or not. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you had some, some thoughts on where this whole discussion belongs, I guess, in the greater kind of scientific landscape, right? Right, right. Well, I looked up uh, the uh, current accepted number, or the current estimate uh, is uh, 6.5 million land species in the world and 2.2 million ocean uh, species. So, you know, put that together, what do you got? 8.7 million uh, species in the world. And, wow, uh, so there's a lot more interesting, uh, just, hey, let's stop there for a moment. There's a lot more creatures living on land than in the water. Yeah, I, which is surprising, isn't it? I wouldn't have guessed but, uh, that. That's that. Uh, well, already, I guess in, in some ways, there's land. lots of different uh, environments, uh, you know, on, on land. On land, and, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, lots of different niches for creatures to evolve into. And here's the uh, interesting thing for purposes of our discussion tonight, Phil: eighty-six percent of species on land, and ninety-one percent of those in the seas, if these numbers are correct, have yet to be discovered, described, and cataloged. So. Hmm. That's so we got a lot of work to do. Zoologists need to you know, get out of the library and do, like uh, Indiana Jones said, you, know, you need to get out of the library and get in the field, right? Get in the field, do some work here. However, as interesting as that is, it means we only know about 10% of all the, we've only identified about 10% of all the species in the ocean, but they're not expecting to find plesiosaurs in the ocean, right? They're not expecting to find no. giant reptiles or any of the interesting things we're going to get to here in a moment. It just means that they haven't classified everything there, right? That there's a lot right. of them that we know they're there, and they're probably a lot like the ones we know about mostly, although there might be some different animals in there, but mostly a lot like the ones we know about. But we just we don't know what they are. But every now and then they do find something that's really unexpected, don't they? A coelacanth was discovered and cataloged and everything in the uh, 1930s, I believe. So it was thought to have been extinct for uh, millions of years. It, it is probably the closest thing still existing to the creatures that first began crawling up on the land. It is more like those creatures than any other fish, and you know it has a lung and you know, lots of primitive features in this in this uh, fish. And so I, I found it interesting reading about it that order. Because there's only two uh, known species in that order. It is the the order that is most endangered in the world. It, hmm. it just very very few individuals in either of the two species in that entire order. And if they go extinct, that's that that whole order is gone. And you know most definitely the waning days of, of that. It, once upon a time they were they were numerous, but but not well, yet. I hope they hang in. I, I hope we keep yeah. going. But but even if they yeah. go extinct today. They made it 66 million years longer than we originally thought, right? So, I mean, they, they, <laughs> That's right. True. they had quite a run. They've been around for 400 million years, these fish, which is, I guess, a good reason why you should really try to keep them going. It'd be, it'd be a shame if we did them in here at the end of their run or something, you know, that we did cause their demise. That would be bad. Absolutely. And, you know, there's other weird things, you know, frilled sharks, 
very strange looking and have a lot of primitive features that you wouldn't expect to find in modern day sharks. But they, and they look like uh, monsters, right? I mean, you oh, look, yeah, at, the, really you look at one of those and you think, well, that's a sea monster right there. I mean, and, and they just <laughs> discovered those not that long ago, 10 years ago, something like that, that they... They're so deep. They, they, yeah. they like to uh, they like to swim uh, in, in in depths that you know we we don't normally go to, and so it's just it's, it's, it's I just, hard. the first time I ever saw one is they caught one in Tokyo while I was there, and it was wow. a big news story. And it was, yeah, it was just a coincidence, but I, I kept seeing this picture of this weird sea monster, and it was like, yeah, they just caught this thing. And I guess it was the first one that had been caught in like 30 years or something like that. So it's uh, right, right. It just goes to show you there are weird things out there that are rarely seen. So really, we've only discovered 10% of all the animals. So this is really making the case, I think. You are making the case for the likelihood of our monster friends. Is that where you're going with this, Stephen? Is that is... I, I think I want to make the case that there is a vast difference between ah. cryptozoology and zoology, even though you would think that there should be some overlap. Both cryptozoologists and zoologists are interested in species that have yet to be classified, but the similarity stops there. You know, cryptozoologists don't follow the scientific method. They're interested in these particular creatures, that, like the ones we're going to talk about tonight, just because, uh, you know, they are. Because <laughs> they're awesome. That's why they're interested yeah. in them. The That's same right. reason we're interested in them. And they're just not accepted as part of the scientific community, and they're not even considered to be a branch of folklore study, which you could make an argument that they, they, they're part of that, because part of what they're looking for, if, if a cryptozoologist uh, got real interested in mermaids, uh, well, maybe the reason he's interested in that is the uh, folklore of uh, mermaids or something. Exactly. Right? Or maybe he's really so, lonely. Did you ever think of that? He might be a, yeah, he's, he's been at sea too long. And, uh, <laughs> he could be a very lonely person. There's a lot of reasons. But I've right. had to give him the folklore thing. I mean, it's one or yeah. the other, right? It, it's got to be It's got to be one or the other. I will say this. There have been historical instances where legendary creatures turned out to be real. In ancient times, the giraffe was believed to be a mythical creature. Turns out, lo and behold, hey, they actually have them down there in Africa, right? It's a... It's a real thing. Even the oliphant, right, was as much a mythical creature as it was a real creature in a, in a lot of Europe until see it, Hannibal, right? Wrote, yeah, Hannibal, he proved, excuse to, me. He, not, he proved to the Romans you. that the that the elephants <laughs> were real. Later, even in the 19th century, the gorilla was believed to be a myth. It turned out to right. be real. And even in our lifetimes, the giant squid was kind of a, is it or is it not? Does it really exist or does it not exist? And it's been pretty much confirmed over the last couple decades that, yes, giant squid do exist, although they were somewhere in the borderlands between an actual recognized species and kind of a legendary species, and they, and they became real. Yeah. But in all of those cases, there were legitimate scientists, right, interested in those things as well as people who just thought they were cool, and maybe that's the difference in, in, in each of those cases, but maybe not. Let's, let's jump into this now. I, so, as you know, I was in Scotland last week, and we actually spent two days, for various reasons, around Loch Ness. We were actually, we were staying in Inverness, so we were close to Loch Ness the whole time, but we, we did, like, pretty much a whole day there, and then we had another day where we were riding around looking at other stuff, and you could, kept looking, and there was the loch. So I was looking a lot, okay, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I was observing the loch every opportunity I got, 
and neither I nor my kids came away with anything definitive. Now, they're pretty sure they saw something here and there, but I didn't, and, and we got no photos, and we didn't bring back a baby or anything like that, you know, kind of the stuff we were outside chance hoping for. So <laughs> a, a, little, a little baby Nessie to bring home? Uh, yeah, I thought that'd be pretty cool. Hard, hard to get through customs. You know? I was, I was about it, to say, you know, uh, do you have anything to declare? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. What that? All gotcha. that's uh, sea monkeys. We just bought those there in the gift shop, um, and they grew like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, let's talk about Nessie, and let's talk about some of these other monsters, and just talk in scientific terms, because we had that show not too long ago about aliens, where we said, what's the likelihood? What are the chances? And we had the maybe they don't exist case that was made and the maybe there's enough evidence that we should really look into this case that was made. And we were kind of enjoying straddling that uncertainty between those two positions. So I thought, well, let's do the same thing with something a little more out there or equally out there, however you want to look at it, which is, which is some of our favorite monsters. So what are the chances that the Loch Ness Monster exists? And so I went to the source... You know, if Wikipedia doesn't have an answer to your question, there's one great place to always go where you can always get an answer to any question. You know where that is, right? Go to Quora, right? Yeah, you'll get not only one answer, you get like a dozen answers. I mean, you, know, you, you, you get every possible answer. And I, th- I thought that was pretty good. Somebody actually had posted the question, how probable is the Loch Ness Monster on Quora? And, you know, there's a whole thread. Well, I thought one estimate was a pretty good one. This is in, in line with where I would be probably. It said about 500 to 1. What do you think? Would you take those odds? Right, I'd bet yeah, a dollar yeah. that Nessie exists. Right, <laughs> on five hundred to five hundred to one yeah. odds. Others said, no, no. There's a lot of evidence. There's been a lot of sightings. There's photographs. There's a registry. There's lots of reasons. You know, people have been seeing it there since the medieval times. Right. There's a lot of reasons to believe it's true. But then others come in and they go, no, no, absolutely not. No way does Nessie exist. So, what's your take, Stephen? What do you? How probable do you think the Loch Ness monster is? Uh, I, I think the 501 number is pretty good. Now you can throw another zero on there if you want to. It's 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 <laughs> very important yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very very improbable. But there's there's some you know, and you having been to the lock and I've not, you could probably tell us that it's kind of a strange lake. Is it is uh, it is a very it is a very strange lake. It's a huge body of water. It doesn't look huge. It looks like a like a good sized lake, but it's extremely deep, and it's mm-hmm. murky because of this peat that's in the water. So the water looks almost brown. So right. it's an I mean, ideal there, place to There could, be, there a could be a Nessie five feet under that stuff, and five feet under the water, and you would never know. You would not see it. it that's right. Yeah. That's right. It would be ideal like to, to hide something. Now, as far as a dinosaur, that's your 50,000, 100,000, 5 million to 1 odds. Yeah. But maybe there are eels living in the loch. So who knows? Maybe there is a, like a really good-sized species of eel that just hasn't been confirmed to exist yet. Certainly people have caught big fish and strange-looking fish over the years. So the idea that there might be a species of something... Well, there's a 20-foot eel that uh, live, living in the lock, and, uh, and it, every now and then it, it raises its head up out of, a, out of the lake, and it looks like a long-necked plesiosaurus or whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I, could, I could buy that. Uh, yeah, as a you know. possibility, that that, uh, that one nudges into five hundred to one odds. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That right. to me, that's the scenario that gets you that gets you on the, you know, the really sure bet of five hundred to one or so. It's like maybe it's that. Maybe there's some kind of freak eel in there. Again, for it to be a dinosaur or something like that, then you're into the millions to one. I love the stories. I think it's great that 
you know, this Irish saint cited it in 565. Uh, yeah, apparently he ordered it back into the lake, and, and it listened and went and into of the course, lake. Of course, well, it was a saint. I think that's important. Yeah. In, in yeah. Scotland, the part of the story that they tend to emphasize is that it was Irish, and therefore <laughs> may have had a nip or two before the whole experience happened. But I, you know... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think that's that's unworthy to point that out, especially about a saint, for heaven's sake. You know, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I go with the he was a saint. He gave the he gave the order. The the monster went back in. So there it is. Nessie, maybe the most likely, actually, of everything we're about to talk about. I don't know. We'll see. That's that, that's another interesting thing. We haven't we have not discussed these prior to this, so you might have a different opinion. But uh, right. Oh. Uh, okay, I, I just want to point out here. This was interesting. This story was just from earlier this year. Bizarre Nessie-like creature washes ashore in Georgia, and marine experts are mystified. So if you follow the link there, you can actually from there read about it. But also, there's a link to another site that has the picture, and it's a creepy-looking thing that washed up on shore there for sure in that picture. But some experts looked at it and said it's probably a decomposing shark. So not to spoil it, but that's mm. yeah. Sometimes when things are in the process of decomposing, they they get pretty freaky looking. They take on an odd shape. That's exactly what the guy yeah. said. It's like sometimes when sharks decompose, they they take on a very odd shape, and that's probably what you're what you're seeing there. So there, there's a lot of different ways to see a monster. I guess that's the you know it's kind of like finding pictures in the clouds, right? Yeah. <laughs> Things washing up on shores all the time. Okay, so here's the next one: Why Bigfoot is unlikely. Only if you know what unlikely means. So this is a, a good essay in Scientific American. I, I don't want to get into this because it's too long, but just read it. And it's, I think it's a really good discussion just of kind of the whole psychology of exploring monsters. It goes to a lot of what you were talking about before, Stephen, kind of the difference in mindset between someone who's seriously studying science and someone who just thinks Bigfoot is awesome, right? I mean, there, there's just... A, let's, a let's go out and see if we can take a picture or... or captured or something. Th- those are two very different ways of approaching the world, and, and it's important that, that there's yeah. a difference between them. The, the, the other story here, science professor explains why Bigfoot's likely not real. I, I, th- I just thought the, the argument here was really interesting. He, he says that a good reason to know that they're not real is because there's just too many sightings, that if there were that many of them, we would definitely have a lot of physical evidence by now. People are seeing them left and right, and we never get a dead Bigfoot body. We never get a foot or a head or fur or scat. Right? There's never any good solid physical evidence that that these things exist. So chances yeah. are they don't. I don't know. What do you think, Stephen? What's your what's your, what's your personal well, connection? Mostly, when people think of Bigfoot monsters, they think of the Pacific Northwest. That's uh, right. considered to be a spot that you're likely to find them. But we we here in Louisiana, we we have a bit of a claim to fame to local to a local Bigfoot. Falk is actually in southern Arkansas, but uh, the range of this quote monster is it would include Louisiana. Uh, it's called the he Body does not Creek respect Monster. state lines, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it does not. Does. You know, yeah. It goes where, goes where he wants to. Yeah. That's right. Boggy Creek Monster, uh, you may have recalled there was a, there, there was a pseudo-documentary uh, in the early 70s that came out. That, that, the Boggy Creek Monster uh, uh, movie was, was about this particular monster. Great and, film, uh, by the way, everyone. Yeah. Legend of Boggy Creek. Check it out. Yep. 
it was made in the early 1970s, and it's a product of that era. And uh, it was made for about $160,000, I understand. And and, uh, it's made millions and millions. It's, you know, it's sort of like Halloween that way, the movie Halloween. Made for nothing makes millions. So what's my thought on on these things? Maybe it's an ancient memory of other hominid species. In the in the lifetime of our species, there were other spe- uh, hominids around, and uh, you know you pass those stories down. And Indians in the Pacific Northwest were known to use the the Sasquatch as a uh, boogeyman of sorts. Right. Throughout the world, whenever you parents use the boogeyman, they're they're attempting to scare. They're warning children of real dangers in a way. Yes. Okay. Yes. Little Red Riding Hood is basically you're not supposed to talk to the big bad wolf to go straight to grandmother's house. The Indians in the Pacific Northwest were uh, saying the Sasquatch lives around this mountain right here, Mount St. Helens, and yeah. don't go, don't go live around that thing. That's a dangerous area. Don't mm. go there. Boogeyman. Of and yeah, the and or areas. the mountain will blow up. And or the mountain will explode and then blow you up. You know, that's one thought about uh, the usefulness of uh, uh, Sasquatch legend among the Indians is that they, they used it in that way. But uh, I, I, I think I, that I think there, there could that. very well be something to that. And I love the idea of kind of this ancient, almost genetic memory, right? It's Carl Jung archetype, a mythic archetype right. in our heads that that goes back to our almost pre-human ancestry, right, when we were encountering these other species carried through. Of course, now, when I think of Louisiana, I don't think of Bigfoot. You know who I think of? His dog. Right, you know, that's... uh, To to me, he's more down south. Kentucky, Dogman, Louisiana, Dogman, right? So... uh, Tell me about about the Dogman. This is a new one on me. I know about Chupacabra down in Mexico. I don't know about the Dogman. He's supposed to be around here, huh? Get ready to have your mind blown, and I don't even have time to do it. But you you need to go to YouTube and just just put Dogman in the search, okay, and just start watching the videos, okay? You get yourself an education on Dogman. What's what's interesting is actually I said down south, and I think think of Dogman as down south, but – very popular out west here too. The sightings I think have kind of moved in this in this direction. And okay, Dogman is a lot like Bigfoot, but he's more canine. Okay, he's human, but he's 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 more canine. And, and I, the only reason I really wanted to bring him in is because I, I haven't really I don't know that much about Dogman to tell you the truth. But I was listening to Joe Rogan, and he had Bobcat Goldthwait on there. And I guess Bobcat Goldthwait is way into all this stuff. And he was talking about <laughs> well, how, I think he's halfway Dogman anyway. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, if anybody was going to be an expert on Dogman, right? But, but well, it, I guess he was talking about how he goes to all these gatherings, right? And he had been to this Dogman gathering, this Dogman convention or conference or whatever it is, and then and then he went to a more standard, more mainstream Bigfoot one. And, of course, all the Bigfoot people, they just roll their eyes whenever the subject of Dogman comes up. Okay? <laughs> You've got to draw this line somewhere. Bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they just think that is the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. So, uh, whatever, so, so whatever the odds of Bigfoot are, I'm, they're going to say that the odds of Dogman are less. However, I want you to follow this link and read the argument here. Don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that Bigfoot and Dogman are real. This is just one of the most wonderful things you'll ever read. This guy uses uh, Erwin Schrodinger's argument about the cat, you know, the cat that's both alive and dead at the same time. Schrodinger's cat, right? He uses that argument to prove that both Bigfoot and Dogman exist. In fact, the fact that there's both of them proves that they exist. Yeah, I cannot do the argument justice. You have to read it. It's just... (laughs) Okay. 
absolutely <laughs> one of the most wonderful things you'll you'll ever read. Well, you know, there, there, there is check an out the Dogman videos. Definitely. Yeah, there is an honest-to-God condition where people, uh, you know, grow grow hair in all over their bodies and things like that. I, it, it, but that's not what we're talking about with uh, those who, who talk <laughs> no, about Dogman. No, Dogman, is, he's more of a – he's kind of a wolf – he's like the wolfman, sort of. I got he's you. not a werewolf. He's a dogman. I, I think that's important, too. I bet, I bet if you went to the dogman conference and said, so is this like a werewolf? They'd roll their eyes, right? They'd be like, no. <laughs> You're like, come on. Get don't real. Don't be ridiculous. We're, talking, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't. We're, we're trying to have a serious conversation here, okay? So <laughs> everybody's got a line, right? Everybody's, everybody's yeah, got exactly. a line that they draw. All right, and which finally takes us to one of my faves, Chupacabra, Okay. And this one is great because, just off the top of your head, where would you put the odds of Chupacabra existing, Stephen? Do you want to give it an odds at all? Any kind of likelihood? Well, or one, of the things I, one of the things I like about, say, the Loch Ness Monster is the antiquity of it, right? And, of course, you could say the same thing about Bigfoot, going all the way back to the Native Americans and, uh, and, and Yeti. I mean, it, it's... It, People have been talking about that and saying that they, yeah, yeah, this, this creature lives up in those mountains or this for, for generations and generations and generations, sure. thousands of years in some cases. Whereas Chupacabra has been around since, what, the 90s? I, I, I suspect that if there were a weird creature, we would have been hearing about it from the Aztecs, would have, would have told us about it when, uh, you know, when Europeans first encountered them, right? Uh, but... Uh, you no, would think no, this creature that sucks the blood out of goats, the goat sucker. And uh, now, yeah. luckily for me, I learned about Chupacabra from the correct source, from the X-Files. Okay, so I, I was watching <laughs> X-Files okay. back in the late 90s. And on that show, they gave the impression that this story's been around forever, right? And at the time yeah. that show was made, it had been around for about a year and a half, okay? So, <laughs> right. So I, I I was misinformed about Chupacabra. I always thought he was right up there. You know, I always thought, well, he's like Bigfoot, or I mean, Loch Ness monster sightings in 565. You know, I mean, that, that that's a pretty good vintage. That's a that, that yeah. is a pretty well established, pretty well established thing. Well, this reporter here, follow this link over on the BBC site. This reporter decided to track it down because yes, there were never any Chupacabra sightings before 1995. And it started in Puerto Rico, and this guy found patient zero, okay? He found the first the person who ever reported seeing Chupacabra. And it sounds like she was unduly influenced by the 1995 movie Species, which Stephen did not make it on our list of big summer movies a couple weeks ago, but maybe we need <laughs> It did not. That's a shame. Uh, that was, uh, it was an interesting combination of sci-fi and horror. And, yeah. uh, we and, might uh, need you know, to get another look. But she, what she described was very much like the creature from there. And then about 10 years later, there were chupacabra sightings in Mexico and in the southwest in the U.S., and that was much more of a wolfy, doggy kind of a thing. So, in fact, she got freaked out by the movie, pretty much made the whole thing up. Everybody started seeing it all over Puerto Rico. It kind of died down. It was on the X-Files. Somebody caught a rerun out in Mexico, saw a dog, and probably with mange. And right. uh, it took off again. Yeah, it's the chances. I, to me, if uh, if it's going to be real, if there's going to be a chance of it being real, it needs it needs to have had some antiquity to it. That particular monster does not. It does no. not. No. So. But what does that tell you about all the rest of them? If this whole thing could just come from nothing, right, from somebody getting freaked out by a movie, and then it becomes a whole thing, 
what are the chances on the rest of them, really? It seems to me that that one kind of impacts the odds. It drives the odds down on all the rest of them. It's it's fun to have something to talk about, something yeah. weird to talk about. Hence our whole show, kind of, right? And and you uh, embellish the truth sometimes uh, to the point that it has, has very little uh, basis in reality. And uh, you might, you tell an interesting ghost story, and it takes off from there. So. Yeah. Here's yeah. Here's what I will say is I don't think any of them are real. I think it's I can't rule it out, but I think it's extremely unlikely that any of these things actually exist. I wish Nessie was real. I wish Bigfoot was real. Dogman, I can probably do without. And I think we're better off that Chupacabra doesn't exist, right? Because he just sounds just nasty, going around sucking the blood out of goats. But the fact that so I what's wish your they favorite? Exist, what is your favorite cryptid of all? Would it be Nessie? Uh it could just be the proximity to the Scotland trip. So I'm very fond of Nessie right now. But lifetime, <laughs> I probably got to go with Bigfoot. You know, I got you. I, I've okay. been fascinated by Bigfoot my whole life. So I, I think it would probably be him. Although Dogman is an up and comer, I got to say. He, you know, he's, <laughs> well, he's you know something we attention. haven't mentioned on this show is the the, uh, the purported dinosaurs in Africa. They what do they call them? Uh, it uh, it translates. Their name translates to one who blocks the flow of the river. Uh, right. Like, you hear about that every now and then. I didn't I didn't yeah. even think about Mumbi, that. Mumbi or something like that. I forget. Yes. But. The likelihood of them would be right up there with the rest of them, I, I would guess. You know, I mean, right. um, very low, right? Um, yeah. How about you? What's your favorite monster? I, I, the reason I brought that one up is I, that might be my favorite of, of That the is pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah they, uh, Mo, Mokili Mimbele. Mokili oh, Mambili. Mambili. Yeah, yeah. Mambili cool. or something. And it's a purported sauropod uh, living in uh, Central Africa. And awesome. uh, that, would, that would be pretty cool to find. That I would be like cool. That, well, that's just that, got that, such a King a, Kong feel to it, right? I mean, that's oh, just yeah. got such a, you know, in a mysterious foreign country, deep in the darkest jungle, there's dinosaurs right. living. I mean, I, for, you know what? Cool. I've, just, I've changed my mind. I'm on, I'm on board with you. That's my favorite too now, <laughs> I think. I, I think I, I like that one the best. I love them all. I, I wish one of them would turn out to be true. I hope they're all true, except maybe Chupacabra once again. I don't see that he adds anything really to, the, <laughs> to the game board. But for now, I'm going to say I'm uncertain and tending towards they're fun to talk about, but probably not. Probably no monsters. Right, but you know what? We'll keep looking at the lock, right? That's all we can do. <laughs> That's right. Keep looking to see what there is. All right. Well, this has been fun, Stephen. It's been a great week. It's good to be back on the show, and uh, we're going to be back again next week. We're going to have three brand new shows. Look forward to talking with you then. Look forward to being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. Mm-hmm.